Well, if you're newer visiting, we're doing a book called Acts. It's in the New Testament, and we're going verse by verse through that book, and we have application in every single book. So we just pray that the Holy Spirit will touch your hearts this morning to show you that application. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, Christmas time. I know it's also a lonely time. It uh, can be a lonely time for people. And so we pray that you would comfort them and strengthen them and that they would find uh, friends in the body of Christ at the various gatherings that we have, the men's studies, the women's studies, uh, just all the various things that take place in a church. Lord, we're, we're blessed. And we just thank you for this uh, past year and this past decade, 10 years. A lot has happened. I know people have gotten saved in these past 10 years. And Father, we look forward to what you have for us for 2020, but also the next 10 years, if your son tarries, that we would be found faithful ambassadors, not just doing our jobs that we need to do to provide for our families. We need to be responsible but that we'd also be uh, ambassadors, sharing our faith, planting and watering and fertilizing. And Lord, if it's your will to pray with someone to receive Jesus, what a blessing that would be. So Lord, we want our hearts to be opened. And even right now, I pray for the gift of teaching. And as we look at your word this morning, that our hearts would be open and soft. That we'd be willing to listen to your Holy Spirit, what he would say to us individually as well as possibly corporately. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just a little bit of review. You know, what we've learned so far in chapter 10, we made it halfway through two weeks ago, is that the early church was unwilling to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And it's been eight to ten years since the church was established. So just very quickly, if you're near visiting, there are two groups of people in the, in the Jewish mindset in the days of Christ as well as today, throughout the centuries. You're either a Jew, you have Jewish blood in you. If you don't have Jewish blood in you, you're a Gentile. Forget whatever nationality you think you are. When you read the word of God, you're a Gentile. Okay, So you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. You see, there was a dislike or a hatred for the Gentiles that ran deep within the soul of most Jews then and most religious, I emphasize that, most religious Jews today. But God is meeting Peter right where he's at in life. And this is so important. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with God via Jesus, he will meet you. To do some head and soul reprogramming. Remember I mentioned earlier on about prejudices, that we all have prejudices? That will change the church forever. That's what we're going to see this morning. You see, as the Holy Spirit is working with Peter, we can also see this transformation process take place in our own lives as well in 2020 as well as the next decade. How? Via the Word of God, and we'll go into this more detail next week. The big takeaway so far in this chapter is that Peter's soul is willing to yield to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's gonna, that's the big takeaway in chapter 10. That Peter is willing to yield to the Holy Spirit. And so the question automatically arises, are we willing to yield to the Holy Spirit as well? And maybe you're new to the faith, maybe you're young as a believer, and you go, well, what, what does that mean? Well, as you read the Word of God, you're going to be asking questions. Well, what is the will of God for my life? And if you're unmarried, 
um, you most likely want to be married. And so the word of God will tell you not to date an unbeliever. That is the will of God. So that means you don't date a person that does not have Jesus as their savior. Clear cut. There's so many things that are very clear cut. But there's other things like, well, I don't know if I should buy this house or that house or this car or that car. Those day-to-day things that we want to know. As we pray, as we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will give you that peace. And I can just tell you from 41 years of practice and experience, he will give you that peace that surpasses understanding. Even in those hard decisions, he will. He does. And he also closes doors. We almost bought a house in Queen Creek. Uh, in 2010, that would have been a disaster for us to buy. But we bid on it, and they accepted our bid. But back then, they came back, and they wanted certain things done, or, or, or things were wrong, and we said, we won't buy it unless you do these things. And they're about $5,000 worth of things. Actually, it was, it was in 2009 when, when things were still fairly high, and they wouldn't do them, because they just said, no, we're, we're, no, we're going to sell this. And so that was our clue. Okay, God, it's not for us. you got something better. And we, we waited another year, and then we found the house we're in. And that house went down, I think, another $60,000. Praise God. You see, God knows. We just have to be willing to yield to his leading. And if we do, he'll take care of us. Hebrews chapter 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why we look to the word of God. How about if we look at Philippians 3? Philippians 3. And Jim, you want to do me a favor? Could you turn off all the heaters? I see people fanning themselves. Nobody panic. We're not going to turn on the airs. Except for one. Because it's hot up here. I'll turn this one on and the air will slowly, if at all, reach you guys. Look at this. It's 69 in here. Wow, that is so hot. Man. We woke up this morning. Our house was 57 degrees. Praise God. Put on a jacket if you're cold. Come on. We're not turning on the heat. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. As you look up those words, they mean not as though I've already died. I haven't died yet. So get that in your head as we read these verses. Very, very important. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. So let's just say uh, I'm going to die January 1st, 2020. What a blessing. So let's just say that that's going to happen. I don't know that. But God already knows that. And so I'm going to be maturing the next two days if I so choose to mature. Or I can just say, forget it. I don't really care about God anymore. Blah, 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 blah. We have our free will. Okay? I don't know I'm going to die two days from now. So that's that. Okay, that's what Paul's saying. He knows he's going to die. He doesn't know when. God does. So since I don't know when, I'm going to press on in my Christian maturity. These verses here are all about Christian maturity. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or to comprehend everything that God has for me. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, that might be 2019. You just need to forget about it. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, what does God have for me in 2020 and the next decade? 
I notice the action here. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's the goal? To be more like Jesus. For you and me today as believers, the goal. Well, what is the will of God for my life? Well, I don't know about the car, but I can tell you this. The goal for you, the goal for me, is to be more like Jesus at the end of this day than I am right now. That That is definitely the will of God. And so Paul is saying, I press towards that goal. I don't know what I'm going to be like two days from now, two years from now, 20 years from now. But who am I today? And what is my goal? The upward call. The upward call to be more like Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, notice this, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So in other words, every single believer in this room, no matter what age you are, as a young believer, a teenager, or you're in your 80s, you have reached a level of maturity. Right now, today, I, you, we are at, individually, a certain level of maturity in our Christian walk. Let that sink in. In your Christian walk. The question I have to ask myself and the question you need to ask yourself is have I arrived? Do I have it all together? Am I complete? I, I don't need to mature anymore. I'm, I've got Christianity nailed. Kind of like Home Depot, did we nail it? I've got this down. And if you say, no, that's not me, then the next question you want to ask yourself is, well, are you doing anything about it? Or you do you just have it in neutral? Or do you have it on cruise control? Where your tr- Christian faith is just, yeah, I'm just kind of cruising. I'm just kind of cruising. Because you know that maturity thing? That, that takes pain. That takes patience. That takes stepping out. That takes... You know, I, no, I, I just want to cruise for a year. Don't cruise for a year. Not a good idea. Therefore, let us, again, as many as are mature, so we've all reached this level, have this mind. And if in anything else you think otherwise, well, I'm not sure about this or I'm not sure about that. Keep praying. Keep reading the word. God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, now this is a very important verse, 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained. What did Paul say in verse 12? Not as though I've already attained. I haven't died. But nevertheless, what we have attained to, so we've attained to a certain maturity level, okay, for you all, whether you're young or old, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. In other words, don't go back. You've matured to a certain level. Don't go back. Go back to what? Go back to what the world says is okay. Or what the world is now saying is acceptable. Don't go back. I'm going to step on your toes right away this morning. Because I just heard about this yesterday and I'm like, well, I guess I'm done with Star Wars. In this last Star Wars that came out, they have a lesbian couple kissing, endorsing that lifestyle. Well, I guess I'm done with Star Wars. I don't want that to be a part of my life. So as you reach a certain level, other people are going to look at you and go, man, you're weird. You're just so weird. You just take everything to the extreme. It's just a movie. Can't you get over it? Yeah, I probably could get over it. But then as I endorse it, and then I endorse a little bit more, and I endorse a little bit more, and I endorse a little bit more, what, I be, what do I become? 
I just become another dead fish floating downstream. I don't want to be a dead fish floating downstream. I want to be alive for Christ. Now, I'm not perfect and sinless. You know, you guys, if you're visiting, don't, don't even go there. But I want to be more like Jesus. And I think everyone in this room, if I asked you privately, I think you would all say, yes, I want to be more like Jesus. I believe that. You would. So it comes down to what am I going to do about it? Am I going to take a stand? Or am I just going to say it's okay? You have to make that decision. I just made my decision. So I encourage you, don't go back. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained that level of maturity that is not acceptable for me, I'm not going to endorse it. I'm not going to be around it. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Well, others will make fun of me. You're going to heaven. Maybe they'll make fun of you, but they also might see that you're a person of values and that you're willing to take a stand and that you're willingly and lovingly going to tell them what that stand is all about. Not bashing, but just lovingly say, hey, no, I don't accept that. It's not an acceptable lifestyle. It's not natural. But the world is telling us it is. How about 2 Corinthians 3, 17? 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Be careful in this past decade, for those of you who have been are mature enough to look back over this last decade, how far we have dropped morally as a society in the last 10 years. It's been exponential how quickly we have dropped. So we have to be very, very careful. 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, so the capital S, Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And what is that mirror? You're looking at the mirror. You're looking at the mirror. And so when you look at your Bible in the morning and you do your devotions, you are looking at a mirror. You're looking at God's glory. It's reflecting back to you. I'm missing God's glory. I fall short of the glory of God. I will never become God. Never, none of that nonsense, but I should become more like Jesus. I should be seeing my life being what? Transformed. Can you look back over your life this last year and you can you see a transformation in your Christian walk? Or are you at the same place you were a year ago? It's between you and God. You don't have to answer to anybody else. Can you look back a decade? And if you're in the, the exact, exact same place, that's nothing to brag about. <laughs> that is nothing to brag about. You want to be able to say, no, I'm not who I was. I'm not who I want to be, but at least it's not who I was. Guys, that's the goal. That is the goal for all of us. So as we look in Acts, we're going to see that played out. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household. Notice, this is a Gentile, but it's a man who reverenced God. He loved God who gave money generously to the people and prayed to God always. He's a Gentile. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Little L, lowercase l, that just means sir. It's not master, but just sir. So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Here we start to see 
Peter is being transformed. He would never have gone into a house of a tanner because tanners were ceremonially unclean because they worked with dead animals. We're seeing a transformation in the life of Peter, and that's what we're going to be looking at throughout the rest of chapter 10. A transformation in the life of Peter. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep bound at the four corners, descending to him and letting down and let down to the earth. Here we're going to see in these verses as we continue reading on through verse 16, it shows us that Peter was already being reprogrammed via the Holy Spirit. That's key. Via the Holy Spirit. In all, it were, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Notice what Peter expresses in his mind. He's a good Jew. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. This is not a bad thing. He's just following the Jewish faith. Okay. God will often use physical things in our lives to teach us a spiritual principle. People may cross our paths and we may think something about them, maybe a prejudice. And when we walk away, the Holy Spirit might say, did you treat that person right? And now we have a choice to make. Yes, I did, or no, they deserved it. We just have to evaluate our own heart. So God is working with Peter here. And the voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Peter doesn't understand what's going on, but he's seeing this vision. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, notice that, the Holy Spirit, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason do you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God, one who reverences God, and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, has was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Notice what this Jew does to these Gentiles. Peter's mind is being reprogrammed. He still doesn't get the vision. He still doesn't understand what's going on in his life. But he does what? He invites these Gentiles into the house. You'll see how this plays out as we continue reading. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. 
And so we did that study two weeks ago. You can get it. It's on a CD. We're going to shortly have them on the web as well. That's why we went to a new web server and all that good stuff. I don't understand the terminology, but Darrell's done a good job. We're going to start having that stuff available. So now let's pick up our text this morning. Well, throw up on that one slide, Jim. Sorry. The Holy Spirit was guiding him. And he was willing to listen and obey what the Spirit directed him to do. This is very, very important as we go into 2020. Because again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. If you as a believer are mature, your maturity level, you have arrived at that maturity level based on the Word of God. Not just through osmosis, not just like, well, I'm a really good Christian, I don't do that anymore. Well, if you, if you, if that is you, you're gonna fall, and you're gonna make a big mistake. It's based on the Word of God, because you've been reading the Word of God, and you've matured, you've matured, you've matured, you've matured. Okay? That's because of the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit was guiding him, and he was willing to listen and obey what the Spirit directed him to do. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, how do I know, you young believers, well, how do I know the Spirit's talking to me? Well, as you read your Word, as you're praying, as you're hanging out with older, mature Christians, in the faith, men with men, women with women, marital couples, so forth and so on. You're going to start talking about the Word of God. You're going to be hearing the Word of God. And you're going to be going, oh, oh, that's why I don't swear anymore. Because I used to swear a lot. Oh, that's why I don't do that. Because, oh, and you start to begin, you start to get the, oh, 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 okay, I get it now. Just a natural process of growing. And the following day, they entered Caesarea which is a beautiful coastal city. Now, Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Notice what this Gentile was doing. He loved God so much. He has seen an angel, seen a vision. He knows that God has spoken to him through this angel. So he doesn't keep it to himself. He doesn't have a private audience, but rather he calls his friends and relatives. Come to my house. Something special is going to happen. What is he doing? He's sharing the gospel before he's even heard the gospel. But he loves God. He loves God. You see, there are people out there that love God. You just need to invite them in. Into what? Into Calvary Chapel? Oh yeah, that's, that's fine. Do that as well. But also invite them into the kingdom. Say, so, you know, I, I, I noticed that you love God. It, it, it seems like you really love God. Well, well, I do. Well, how, how is that relationship? Ask them a question. Not on company time. On your own time, get that conversation going. You know, maybe they're a good Catholic. I was a good Catholic going to hell. I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew there was a God. I knew Jesus. I knew the Holy Spirit. But I wasn't, I wasn't going to heaven. I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I was living like the devil. So there are people out there that think they're good and they punch the clock every Sunday. That's all they're doing is punching the clock. That doesn't get you to heaven. If you're here this morning punching the clock, that's not going to get you to heaven. It's very important as we read this. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and notice what Cornelius did and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Peter already had a reputation. And what did Cornelius do? Oh, you are the first pope of the church. I'm going to kneel down. I'm not making fun. This is just reality. I was born and raised in the church. I'm not making fun. If you want to be mature, be mature and talk about what the church actually believes. Peter was the first pope of the Catholic Church. And when people bow down and kiss the hand of the pope, deal with it. You don't like it? Time to mature. It's just the way it is. But as you know these facts, and you can lovingly take a person to that and go, well, let's read the rest of the story. 
Because you see, Peter had a decision here. Peter could have allowed Cornelius to perform this act of worship, but he knew better. The flesh may want the praise, but the spirit tells us otherwise. As we can see, there was no hesitation in the actions of Peter. For those serving God, for you and I today, in any capacity, never touch the glory of God. And Pastor Chuck taught us this decades ago. Say thank you to the compliment. Say thank you. But always point people to the one whom you serve, God. Isaiah 42, 8 says this, I am the Lord. Uh, That is my name. And in your Bible, Lord is all capitalized. That's Yahweh, personal name of God. And my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So be very careful in 2020 what you set up as an image, even in your own life as a believer. But verse 26, what took place? But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I also And I myself am also a man. Praise God. Praise the Lord for your humility. Let's look at Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Because we want to praise God for the humility that the Holy Spirit, well, that Peter allowed the Holy Spirit to bring into his life because he always didn't have that humility. Matthew 26, 33. It's the Last Supper, the night before Jesus' crucifixion. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And they had a bragging with each other. If you've read the word at all, these guys were in competition. I'm going to sit on the right hand. No, I'm going to sit on the right hand. No, you're on the left. No, you're downstream. Maybe Peter was looking at the other 11 going, you know, I don't know about these guys here, <laughs> but me, Lord? No. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now, Peter would have been wise to just keep his mouth shut. But what does he go on to say? Because he doesn't have humility. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. As we look back in Acts, we want to be very, very careful. You see, Peter came to understand that he was just a man. And I think he took to heart what Jesus said on that final Passover night in John fifteen five, when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me in 2020, he who abides in me, I in him, bears much fruit, for without me, You can do nothing. Jesus is not talking about brushing your teeth or doing whatever. He's talking about spiritual, eternal things. For apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And you see, that's a hard place for a saint to get to, especially for us men. But it's the best place to be, as we're going to see in verse 27. And as he talked with him, he he went in and found many who had come together. And and he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man. Now, here's where I'm saying that Paul or Saul. And here's where I say Peter has been maturing. It is unlawful for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. What's he saying? Gentile. You're a Gentile. 
I shouldn't hang out with you and I shouldn't even come into your house. You're a Gentile. But, verse 28, look at what happens with the but here. But God. It's a great time to have a but there. Well, not but me. No, no, no. But God. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. It's at this point that we can now see that Peter starts to understand the portion of the vision. Oh, the food. And I bragged that I didn't eat anything common or unclean. Oh, bing. And as you continue to read your Bible and read your Bible and read your Bible day after day after day, and as you're walking your life and walking, just just walking life, just walking life, going to the store, doing this, doing that, doing this, all of a sudden something's going to come into your head. Bing. I shouldn't have treated that person that way. Why did I treat that person that way? Or I shouldn't have had that thought. Or I shouldn't have done this. Or I could have done that. Just doing life. What is Peter doing? Is he a monk in a monastery? He's living life. I'm going to go up on the roof and have... Lunch isn't ready. I'm going to go up on the roof and pray a little bit. He's just living life. And the Holy Spirit starts to get a hold of him. Remember, remember guys, eight to ten years. Peter comes down, invites them in. He goes with them. And what does he say? But God has shown me. How did God show him? Through a vision. How will God show you and me? Through the word of God. Don't wait around for visions when you got the word of God. <laughs> Don't wait around. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Very important. You see, God will reveal the next step in our faith when we are obedient with the current step of our faith. This is a principle that a lot of Christians never get a hold of. It's a, it's a sad, it's an easy principle, but it's a sad situation that most Christians will never get a hold of. They don't take that first step of faith, which means what? God, I trust you're telling me to do this. Faith, trust, go hand in hand. God, I trust that you're telling me to do this. You, and you're being led of the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, your trust is going to grow, your trust is going to grow, your trust is going to grow, your faith is going to grow, your faith, your faith, your faith. Unfortunately, very few Christians don't get to the step three because they're not willing to take step one. Well, God can't be asking me to do that. Why not? Is it unscriptural? No. Is it sin? No. Um, is it unconvenient? Yes. Oh, for my life too, guys. I have to ask myself these questions when I'm walking my life. This is really inconvenient. God, are you really asking me to do this? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll do it. I don't want to do it. I'm just being real with you. There are times I don't want to do things for Christ. I'm thankful that I did when I look back. So I'm no different than most likely all of you, or maybe you all listen and obey. I don't know. But for me, I don't always want to obey. 29 through 30. So, so Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. So now Cornelius is going to rehearse what took place in his life. This is like your testimony when people ask you, why won't you go to a Star Wars movie? And you're on your own time. Got, isn't that an open door for right now for you to say, to share your testimony? Wouldn't that be an open door for you to share your testimony? Yes, it would be. I'm, I'm afraid what they'll say. 
Well, don't let the fear of man stop you from the love of God. It's that simple. Is it that easy? No, no. And if you want to come up and talk to me about Star Wars, I'll be more than happy to love on you and tell you again why I'm not going to endorse it. We as believers shouldn't compromise. And we always think of compromise as, you know, drunkenness and fornication and adultery and homosexuality. We've got to look maybe even a little bit deeper in these days we're living in. People are watching us. Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God. Notice that. Not before you, Peter, but before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Cornelius clearly understood that God was going to speak to him through this human agent named Peter, an ambassador for Christ. And God will speak to you through others as well if we're available, if we're open to that. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. What are we seeing now? The completion of the vision. Peter just stepped it up a notch. And I can't speak for Peter because I didn't interview him. I don't know, but I know he was raised in a culture that you were not to like Gentiles. Matter of fact, if you hated them, that was okay. But I can't speak for Peter, so I'm not going to say that. But in his life, maturity has just stepped up a notch. Gentiles. Hmm. My culture says they're fuel for a fire. They're fire for hell. They're fuel for the fires of hell. That's a Jewish culture. The religious Jewish. Let me make that perfectly clear. The religious Jewish culture. You see, Isaiah 46, uh, 64, 6 says this. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as a filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. As we look at 34 and 35 here, this is not in reference to works for salvation. Rather, works of salvation. Works of salvation. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Cornelius had fruit. He was right with God. Peter is now going to take him to the deeper revelation of now Jesus being the Messiah. Jesus is now the Messiah. Cornelius, you need to take it to the next level in your faith. You need Jesus as your Savior. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Peter now gives these people listening a presentation of the gospel. The presentation of the gospel. That word you know, notice this, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism with John preached. These people would have heard about Jesus. They're in Caesarea. That was one of the main ports of entry to the area. So they would have heard of all the miracles and all the things that Jesus was doing. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What does Peter do? He points to Jesus. He points to Jesus. And then verse 39, he makes this point. And we are his, we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews 
And in Jerusalem, the land of the Jews would be Israel. Israel of today is the land of the Jews, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. What is that? Crucifixion. The Romans would have known about crucifixion. They would have absolutely known. Well, you, you, you're crucified, you're dead. You don't fall asleep, you're dead. Him, now the next very important point, God raised, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Very, very important. He now teaches them about the resurrection and how Jesus appeared to many witnesses and Paul actually lists witnesses. Matter of fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 11, um, 15, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he actually lists and at one point 500 men saw Jesus live at one time. At one time, 500 men. This wasn't like Mormonism, where are the gold plates? We have no idea. Uh, where are the people that saw the gold plates? Uh, we have no idea. I'm not, again, I'm not bashing religion. Let's just be mature enough to talk about it. Where's your evidence? You go to Israel, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of fragments of writings. Writings that are 2,000, 3,000 years old. Historical. It, it's unbelievable how much stuff is in Israel. Just do your homework. Do your homework. Again, remember, it's been 8 to 10 years. 8 to 10 years. The story is still simple then as it is today. It's not a complicated story. Peter is just writing down the story. It's the resurrection story. You see, it is so spiritually simple that a child can accept it all. Yet it is so spiritually complex that an adult will never be able to explain it all. So if you come up to me and ask me a hard question, I say, I don't know. Don't be surprised because I don't know it all. Never will. I'm not God. I didn't write it. But I know enough to be mature enough to tell you some very basic things that will help your life if you're going down the wrong road. And there are other Christians in this room that will do the same thing. It's, it's just a wonderful book to have if you're willing to accept it. If you're not, then you're not. Him God raised up on the third day, showed him openly, again, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him... So to Jesus, the Messiah, to him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remissions of sins. Again, Peter explains the gospel. Cornelius, all of your sins are going to be forgiven if you receive Jesus as your savior. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Now this is just going to blow the Christians' minds right here. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. In other words, Peter and the other, I think it was six men that went with him, were astonished. Why were they astonished? Because they're Gentiles. These are Gentiles. We're Jews. We're special. God loves us. Yeah, well, God loves the Gentiles too. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit have been poured out on the Gentiles also. So what does Peter's mind go back to? The day of Pentecost, where there was 120 in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came upon them. There were tongues of fire, evidence of the Holy Spirit upon them, and they spoke with different tongues, tongues they had never heard before or learned before. The gift of the Holy Spirit, not that that is evidence of the Holy Spirit, so don't go down that road. Some Christian churches do that. No, 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 not at all. 
but they're now seeing this miracle took place, taking place that took place in their own lives, some of them eight to ten years prior. Very important. You see, the Gentiles have now been grafted into the church. And as we will see in Acts, Saul is used mightily by God to bring the gospel to the Gentile world. Let's look at some quick verses here. Please write them down. Galatians chapter 3. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Greek is Gentile. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Very important as Christians, as the world keeps trying to separate us and cause division and hatred between the Republicans and the Democrats and this group and that group. Don't buy into it. Romans chapter 329 says, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? There's only one God, guys. Yes, of the Gentiles also. And then Romans 10, 12 through 13, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. So if you're here this morning, whether you're Jew or Greek, there's only two groups of people, right? So you're one of those groups. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you want to call on Jesus this morning, you can get saved. If you don't, that's your free will choice. I would encourage you to receive Jesus as your Savior. For they heard him them speak with tongues and magnified God. Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should be not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Peter's now seeing the full revelation of the unclean or common. The physical is now taken on the spiritual. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. This is just amazing. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So we see these Gentiles became believers and were baptized into the faith. Water baptized. Not only that, but Peter and those with him ended up staying with Cornelius for seven, several days. I mean, it's a beautiful area. If you go with us in, in 21, um, it's a beautiful area. Beautiful area. Why not stay? Why hurry back to dusty area of Jerusalem? Now we will see that Peter does return and with the testimony of Cornelius will bring forth a great awareness and proclamation from the church. From the church. That the free gift of salvation has been offered to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. No one is exempt. And we know that God is even reaching out to all of humanity today. I had to look it up again because I forgot how many people are living in the world and they got a world clock clicking away every single second. We're at 7.8 billion people. They believe by 2023, we'll have 8 billion people on the face of the earth. Do they all know Jesus? No. Do your neighbors all know Jesus? No. Do your family members all know Jesus? No, 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 no. So we've got a job to do. Don't leave it up to our president. We've got a job to do. We're ambassadors for Christ. When we look at 2020 and the next decade, let's be more like Jesus. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, come up after the service and ask him to be your Savior. And you might be thinking right now, Oh, I can't do that. That's embarrassing. (laughs) And I understand that. There is a fear factor involved with doing that. But let me explain to you as, as someone who's been in the Lord for 41 years. That's the enemy. That's the enemy whispering into your ear, don't do it. 
The Holy Spirit's saying, do it. So even right now, as an unbeliever, you have to make a decision. Am I going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, or am I going to listen to the spiritual enemy of God? It's your choice. So I greatly encourage you, if you deny Jesus as your Savior, to come up after this service and ask Jesus to be your Savior. It's the best choice you will ever make in your whole life. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for the free gift of salvation. And Lord, we also thank you that you work with us to mature us. You don't want us to stay where we we were at when we first got born again. You want us to grow, just like we want our children to grow. We don't want them sucking on a bottle at 21 years old. So Father, help us to mature in the faith. Help us to to look at our lives and seriously make a serious evaluation. What am I doing with God? What am I doing for God? Not out of guilt or condemnation. Out of relationship. What am I doing? Do I want to be a spiritually immature Christian a whole nother year? Or do I want to grow? Help me to apprehend. Help me to comprehend what you have for me as we move into this next year and decade. Help us, Father. We know your will is, if we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, you will give it to us. So we lift our hands and we say, Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh. Fill us anew. We don't need more of the flesh. We need more of your Holy Spirit. The flesh does fine just by itself. Fill us, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's stand, guys. Have a blessed New Year's. Be safe out there. No Wednesday night service because it is New Year's Day. So we'll see you guys next week. We'll see you next year. See you guys next decade. God bless you guys. Have a great day. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. Jesus